I'll cleanse my energy, but never my dirty mouth. These women are exhausting me, but I still love them. <laughs> Wait, I don't think mine was very good. <laughs> I said to today's guest prior to recording, I had a hot tag and an alt tag. And I tried making the alt tag hot. And what happened was, unlike certain tumblers presented by certain movie stars. I don't think it was both hot and cold. I think it might have just been a little lukewarm. Anyway, you guys, I know this episode is going to be anything, but it's Andy's Girls episode 340, I think. Don't hold me to it. And I'm so excited to have one of my favorite people back, someone who knows an awful lot about the ladies. (laughs) We're going to unpack. You know him as the chief housewives correspondent on and off entertainment tonight. Welcome back to Andy's Girls. Bryce Sander. Bryce, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And in the vein of my hand and yours tumblers, I'm ready for a very chic conversation. Did you buy yourself anything from the Jamie Lee Curtis collection? No, all my best to her endeavors, but no, I don't. (laughs) I don't own any of her pieces. I really, honestly, I live in a third floor walk up in New York City, and I was absolutely seriously considering the chimes. That's the only thing that I really wanted because I'm not a Tumblr person. What has the pandemic done to us? This is so bleak. Literally, I know. (laughs) I, I honestly thought to myself, you know, it would be funny if you get those chimes and when people like come over to record AG in person, you just hold them at the door and I'm still considering it. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I am genuinely still considering it. They were sold out for a bit, I believe. I think like Dorit's chic endorsement of all my hand and yours products caused them to be sold out for a period of time. And I think that they were recently relaunched, renamed after Dorit. Oh, do they say chic now? <laughs> I think they might. Like, or it says like Dorit's yada yada. I'm here for it. Smart marketing. My goodness. And, and maybe we can do a little rev share with Homeless Not Toothless, you know? Yeah. Spread I the wealth. I don't know how, I don't know if Homeless Not Toothless enjoyed their time as much just because that kind of shifted from important charity to people looking up their actual reviews on like Charity Navigator or whatever. Mm, I have so... not done that deep dive, so okay. <laughs> I, I'm I speaking from a place it. of ignorance, I guess. I mean, my favorite place to come from, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Bryce, how are we? How are we doing? How are you feeling? How's, how's the LA vibe? How's life? It's so hot here. It's triple degree heat. Mm. Love that mm-hmm. for, you know, we're in September. Should be fall vibes. Should be <laughs> spooky season starting. But no, well, I guess it is a version of spooky season. We're just hotter mm. than hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so other than staying in the air-conditioned comfort of my home and I'm really living in like a selling of the OC mindset right now. Yeah. You know, that's where I've been. My my efforts and my endeavors have been placed there in the last mm. week or so. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited to return to home, which is Housewives, mm-hmm. you know, after mm-hmm. after taking a dip into the Netflix Bravo adjacent pond. You know, what did we think of the um, OC iteration? I of loved it. 
Shut up. You did? I think it's better than Selling Sunset. Because it's dumber, right? I'm dead serious. Because these people said, we're going to say mean stuff to each other's faces instead of in confessionals. Like, they are ruthless to each other. And everyone is fighting to be a main character in an Mm -hmm. ensemble show. Mm -hmm. And then just, like, learning about kind of the, I guess, behind-the-scenes politics of... Jarvis and Rose weren't initially cast, and that's why people were operating as if, like, why are you here? But then them being like, but we were there, so why did you treat us like garbage? And I don't know. I'm I'm very into it, and I think all, a bunch of stars on that show. A bunch of people meant to be on reality television. It's fascinating that the it, this is always, like, a fun moment when the cast has decided to elect different personalities to be the villains and then the audience vehemently disagrees. I think that's what we're watching pan out, which is genuinely fascinating. Oh, it's a hundred percent that. And it was interesting because I talked to Alex Hall Mm. the day the show came out Um, or maybe it was the morning after it was within 24 hours of the show coming out. And, you know, I think she very much went in thinking, Oh, I'm kind of the Chrishell of this show. Like, you you really do enter that world through her eyes. She's kind of your, right. your guide. And then to see the reaction be so opposite of what I imagine she expected had to have been tough. And then I talked to Jarvis and Rose a week after the show launched. And they are like overwhelmed with the response because they fully thought the audience would be into the other half of the office. When largely online, the conversation is... Jarvis and Rose, show villain versus real villain stuff. What do you think the editors in production thought was going to happen? I think they just wanted to make a great show. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they I don't know that they think so much mm. about the audience reaction so much as how do we drive story within the show? Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, they Jarvis and Rose were in the edit the villains of the office you know they're the others of the office if we don't want to be so strong and say villains they're the Mm -hmm. others um and i think that was i think they knew they were the others in fact i asked them did you know you were the others and they said yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean they sort of don't ever film with the rest of their cast or didn't ever film no which i think is so alex hall told me they weren't originally on the show and then they would kind of start to pop up and get involved in group scenes and they were confused Mm. and so i think we saw a little bit of editing magic of you know, scenes in the first maybe four episodes that were filmed when the it was towards the end of the season and inserting mm-hmm. them and, you know, puzzling together the story. Um, I don't think they were filming the entire time the way the rest of the cast was, but I think maybe they started filming and producers were like, oh, some of these people we brought on are not driving story at all. Because it's, think there's... Mm. Some people in the office who you constantly see, but you're like, I don't know who you are. Like, I, we've never, we haven't really experienced your part of Orange County. And shifting gears a little bit, but continuing this part of the conversation, it does make me wonder a little bit about production, which I do kind of like commingle with the network and would love to get your thoughts on that, the difference between the two. But it does make me think a little bit about what's happening on Beverly Hills and what production was expecting. Like, were they thinking about the audience reaction in the ways that the audience has seemingly overwhelmingly received this season so far? Or were they just thinking 
this is gangbusters TV. So yeah, I don't, I think the audience component is a very much after the fact sort of part of the conversation. I don't think they are editing the show attempting to sell the audience on any one narrative. Mm. And noting that, do you think that there has potentially been surprise about the ways that this season has been discussed specifically versus seasons past? I would imagine the Diana backlash has been a shock, like within the network of that people are so anti her and like the conversation is so vitriolic toward her. I don't think they put anyone on these shows thinking the audience will hate them like i don't think they are casting anybody with that mindset um so i'm very interested to see how that reunion plays out and what questions are asked and what is said and i I hope they i my number one question is diana why did you want to do this show you do not seem to enjoy being around these women um at least half of them why did you want to do this because you also like opened up this can of worms about your life that now you know, you've, you're denying a lot of stuff that is, there, I don't know, if, if there's smoke, is there fire? And we're not getting answers. We're getting, you know, no, Rats. look over here, look over here, or cease and desist. So I'm very interested to see what she has to say because she's done no press the whole season. She's done not one interview, um, which is often the place where we learn, we fill in the blanks. And I feel like we just got a lot of blanks and I hope the reunion fills in as many of them as possible have you reached out to her at all to whose idea was it for her to not do interviews across the board so i have no idea i did i said i would love to talk to her and never and nothing ever came of it um which is not like unusual um i don't i don't know beverly hills is interesting for press a lot of those women kind of just like do one or two things and then that's all they do for the whole season um Mm -hmm. but it's like diana hasn't even been on watch what happens live which is weird to me it's very strange especially because not only is she the focus of so much of the conflict and plot this season but as you said you said it's her first season ostensibly going on watch what happens is in many ways sort of like the reward for being on Housewives. It's supposed to be lighter. It's supposed to be fun. I mean, it can definitely be dramatic. Lord knows how many clips of Watch What Happens have been included at the reunion or discussed in meandering ways in future season plot. Right, I mean, especially on Beverly Hills. But it's like, right. you know, where's our would you lick it game? Or like, you know... <laughs> And I would think that she would be interested in as much potential, not sympathy, but like charm factor as yeah, possible. Yeah, because there's, there's been glimmers. I'm like, oh, I can understand why casting thought you were good for this show. Like, she makes some funny cracks sometimes. She's obviously very quirky. Um, but we're also just seeing this. It's a... The, I understand that Sutton is, can, her delivery often misses the mark, but the way in which Diana is responding, it's like they are speaking two different languages. It's also fascinating when you look at the ways that the thugs force, which I include Diana in at this point, the ways that they've responded to Sutton and watching this week, you know, Kyle and Dorit 
sort of spin away Rinna's anger towards Sutton as a part of a larger conversation about grief, which I think is a tough conversation to have when this person's grief is only exemplified in a negative way toward a specific cast member, which she's done prior. But I look at like how Erica and Diana have been gleeful in attacking Sutton and we're not having a conversation around grief. And I just kind of wonder it. There's just so many gaps in understanding I don't know if Watch What Happens or Reunion could ever explain it because I don't think these women necessarily care to. Yeah, or the explanation would probably not be what fans want it to be. Which is what? Which is, I'm not friends with her, so why would I care about her? (laughs) I'm a coworker. But I do think it's, there's something happening where I do think this is like a problem with numbers where because the women are so used to being the enforcers in the majority in the cast and maybe they're not thinking of the potential future audience like the ways that the show shifts dynamics is what it is but like there's a level of glee here that we explain away with Rinna because she's dealing with grief only when it comes to her behavior with Satin but like Erica and Diana are behaving in a similar way just more um openly enjoying in it that I don't it's different than like they're just a co-worker it feels there's like a tenor here obviously people talked about it being dark but there's something else going on yeah I just I I don't think we'll ever get the get a decent answer to explain that because They'll say, well, I don't really care for her. I don't really care about her. Or they'll deny the assumption that they go in with some sort of, you know, plot to take someone down or some sort of intent. Because I've asked Housewives in the past, like, especially I've talked to Kyle about the Fox Force 5, like, do you go in with a plan for the season and do you Mm. name a target? And it's like, deny, 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 deny. At a certain point, you have to accept what people are saying. I mean, you can deny not having a strategy session over Zoom, but Kyle bringing up Instagram in the way that she did on this episode, seemingly purely to start a conflict right a conversation rife with conflict seemed pretty apparent, no? Well, to me, that's, I've been doing this show for 13 years, and I know right. if I don't bring up a topic that's going to drive discussion, there's no reason for us to have, be sitting here with a camera, so I'm going to bring that up. And who knows what conversations were happening that were left on the cutting room floor, which we keep seeing these moments pop up in the never-before-seen episodes that actually mm. explain a lot of people's behavior or kind of you know, create more questions about it. Um, so I don't, I don't, that's why I think the idea that there is nefarious intent with these women, I don't think they go in trying to ever take somebody down. I think they go in, I want to make a good show and the little self-producing bug gets in there and takes over. It might not be nefarious. It certainly might not be a conscious decision, but there does seem to be a group think with the majority of the cast that Sutton is the other and deserves to be roundly criticized. Like, 
I hate to say it again, Kyle in my top five currently spiritually on pause, but like <laughs> she is in my top five, but I just watched the episode. I waited as long as humanly possible to watch it because I heard it was a shit show. And I found myself yelling at the screen. I sort of expected Diana to say what she did because I had heard enough about it on social, but I'm watching Diane. I'm watching Kyle yell at Sutton at the beginning of this accuse her of being the victim see her be treated as a victim as a result of diana and erica's poor behavior and then in a confessional support diana and gaslight sutton and i'm like all right there might not be nefarious intention in the moment but my god the impact is like landing with a thud yeah and maybe it's maybe the word i should have used is premeditated and not nefarious um but i do I do wish more people had said, hey, it's not cool to call someone that. You can have a certain feeling toward her. But it's not really funny to say that right now when we're obviously having a serious discussion about it. Um, I didn't like when Kyle was like, defend yourself, defend yourself. And it's like, she's obviously shocked by this, broken by this. It's the first day of a trip. She's locked in a house with these with some of these people mm. for the next who knows how many days. So I can only imagine the like mental gymnastics and what was going through Sutton's head in that moment of just like, what have I signed myself up for here? Yeah, they've also blamed her for using her voice and talking about everything that essentially the rest of the world is discussing when it comes to Erica and Tom. So now it's like, okay, cool. You want me to speak up right now when I'm being targeted, when this woman just said I was a cunt in front of humiliating me in front of the rest of the cast and then doubling down on that while Erica laughed and you guys all stayed quiet you're telling me to step up why doesn't Kyle in why didn't Crystal why why was it only Garcelle that was frustrating it's like could it just you just needed someone to yes and her or even just yes her don't even add anything to it just be like yeah stop it not cool I mean Hello, the improv Bible. Yes, and if you don't want to take a full day at the Groundlings, just yes. You could have just echoed. You could have just audibly or done something. To be fair, that may have happened and it may have not been in the edit. Used, right. Which sucks, too. It's more humiliating, I would argue, for Sutton, which I guess doesn't matter at all to anyone. But if somebody stood up in that moment, it because their faces showed an obvious disgusted reaction, but for them to stay quiet, it felt like it was a choice. Yeah, but it's was it their choice? Was it the editor's choice? Is the truth somewhere in between? So what are we supposed to then examine? The potential gray area or or the story that we're being shown? I think you take the story, but you look at the emotional takeaway and not what people were necessarily doing in the scene. Because I think that's why, you know, certain edit choices are made. It's like, it's more powerful if only Garcelle says something. Like, it's it makes you feel something bigger. Had we seen Crystal and Kathy and maybe even Kyle jump in to be like, whoa, 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 or even a, hmm, like, you know, some sort of reaction, it wouldn't be quite as you know, all versus one 
the way it played out on screen. And there's a precedent this season for exactly what you're saying having taken having taken place in terms of the really unfortunate and very triggering conversation around eating disorder uh, talk, because as Crystal shared with me for a previous post that I did for the Daily Beast, like she did push back in scenes. There were moments where she was saying to Erica when it comes to talking about um, uh, when it comes to talking about specifics around her eating disorder in the conversation prior with Kyle like this is too much they just didn't show it and it could have been for dramatic purposes it just so happens that in both situations the woman being targeted is left all the more humiliated as a result supported potentially by the choices of the editors yeah I and I but I think that's an important thing to remember watching any of these shows is you're seeing a curated Mm. version of this heightened reality Like, you have to remember, Mm -hmm. these women would not be hanging out in this form if it were not for the show. Right. And so I do think sometimes the audience gets too, takes everything too seriously. It's like, not to quote Lisa Rinna, but like, it is entertainment. Like, take it at entertainment value and evaluate it on that scale and not, this is a documentary about who this person is and everything about them. I don't think anyone assumes that it's a documentary, but I do think people taking things at entertainment value and saying this is not entertaining, it's too dark, is important. Yeah, no, I think that's important. I just think going on people's social media and telling them to unalive themselves because of what you've seen them do on the show is not the vibe. Absolutely. No one should be. I actually don't love when people even like swear at the housewives, to be honest, because I just think like if you want to talk shit about someone, do it in a safe space. Like go on a content creator's page. Don't add a handle for a housewife. You want to talk shit, you do that. But sometimes the uh, direct attacks are not great. But also why expect the audience to behave in a way that's more responsible than the actual cast members? who are attacking each other on social media. Like, while, of course, threats of any kind are not appropriate, nor are some of the ways the cast members are behaving, and yet the focus is on the fan community because there are more than, you know, seven fans, ostensibly, (laughs) arguably. I I might might need to see some receipts. Then there are cast members. But it's like, okay, but what about what... At what point do we pretend that the fan community is more toxic than some members of the cast. Fair. I will just say like, because I know sometimes the fans are like, why aren't you speaking out? Why aren't you saying anything? Totally. And doing that to them. And it's like, because contractually, they cannot spoil the show. And so if the answer is in an upcoming episode, they're not going to speak out. And so it's like, I guess all this to say is, let's give grace on both sides and accept that there is probably some breathing room in any scenario we're talking about that needs to be taken into consideration. And on the flip side of the coin, speaking of grace, the cast members should be aware that this is the first time the audience is seeing this play out and are going to have a dramatic and impassioned and upset reaction to that. And the lack of understanding for the ways that fan communities are going to see upsetting material, how they're going to react to that, holding themselves to a standard that they don't reach almost ever is like 
weird to me. Like nobody should be saying um, uh, threatening or attacking comments to anyone at any point on social media. You can absolutely talk shit if you want to. Everybody has a different way of going about it. I personally have never been a fan of making sure someone sees that thing or swearing directly at them unless it's a close personal friend in my personal <laughs> life in which I'm like you fucking twat that's a different conversation like that's just and people react to things differently as the cast members do but I also think it's weird that like the idea of toxicity not specific to what you're saying but the overall conversation about toxicity in the bravo community is often only left to the fans who are by and large uniformly toxic but it's just weird there needs it's to be to a, an understanding on both sides like what you, exactly what you said of like it works both ways and everybody needs to pull back look at the bigger picture when having these conversations have your feelings, have your big feelings, express your big feelings, but also know that, you know, people are going to have other feelings about those feelings. And it's nothing is period dot, you know, the conversation yeah. always continues. Totally. And hopefully some of those conversations, whether they happen on comedy pods or elsewhere, won't be met with threats to silence. The actual things that they're saying, many of which typically end in an LOL. Like, for example, Diana, I think, was aiming at a joke in agreeing with Erica's comment about Sutton. It didn't land well. But I would wonder how she would feel if someone took her saying that as a threat and threatened legal action against her for saying that. My guess is she would probably argue it was a joke. It was made in poor taste potentially but that's what she was landing at and yet now we're in an environment where there are so many um potential new standards that are being set by this cast this season including what the fuck is happening on social media but also how you're reacting to people's reactions where it can now be seen as defamatory for non-news related outlets pods content creators to be threatened with legal action over what are typically enter moments of entertainment. I'm interested to see the next season of Beverly Hills, what the social media behavior from the cast will be, because I feel like there's been a movement there was like in Atlanta and in Potomac. It seemed to be this movement of like no leaks. There is no conversation about mm. what's happening anymore. Like Potomac, I have no idea. We've, I feel like, and I'm so happy. I've never been like. Happy all my we know life. is Ashley and Michael broke up. Essentially, like that's the only story we know about. Yes, and God bless. By the way, God bless. <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested to see if what kind of, you know, ramifications there are for what unfolded this season on Beverly Hills. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. 
It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. How do you feel as a viewer, let alone someone looking at entertainment tonight, who comes into contact with um, the cast pretty frequently and you have a different kind of perspective 
to add to this, but like, how do you feel as a viewer, as a creator, however you want to look at it in watching Beverly Hills play out? So I go into everything one, knowing almost all these people and some having some sort of personal relationship with all of them. So I see them as people. People are flawed. Mm -hmm. And I also know that this is an edited show in which they are essentially, whether of their own volition or production's volition, playing a character. Like we are Mm -hmm. seeing a, a version of this person, but not the person. So I'm able to see it like very pulled back. I try to give everybody room for, you know, okay, you did, I I don't agree with what you did, but I can understand where Mm -hmm. you were coming from, or maybe there's something we're missing here. Um, And I think the issue, like the part of the fan community that I don't like is when they're like, get her off the show, fire this one. Like, unless it's really egregious and like, you know, they've, ruin someone's life or they're a danger to themselves or their castmates like that's a different scenario um Mm -hmm. but it's like i think at the end of the day everybody went into this with the intention of like let's make a good show i'm here to participate i'm here to for the ride um and that everyone contributes and when you take away these so-called bad actors then what show do you have left like i'm not watching these shows for a moral compass i am watching them as an escape to have fun and watch like the flawed human experience <laughs> play out with these people who live these over-the-top big lives. I think part of the complication happens when you realize that maybe some of these longtime housewives are a hindrance to having that play out, are a hindrance to even understanding that they're flawed people because they themselves decide to deep dive the caricature. Well, at a certain point, housewife becomes so much of who they are and then that's a dangerous place to live because if you right. if your identity is so shoehorned into being this person on this show, then you probably should no longer be on the show. Because the whole point of the show is you have a life to share and experiences to share. Um, so like I'm very excited for Tamara's return because she said that the two years off mm. like helped recenter her and she figured out who she was again without housewife as the main identifier in her personality. So I'm interested to see what that version of Tamara Judge looks like back on screen. Yeah, and I feel like, and P.S., so excited for her to be back. Even though I just want to say <laughs> hashtag pray for Shan. I just want to say my queen, my number one. I I think Shan will be handling herself okay. just fine. And you know, I love my little broken bird. I love her so much. I like can't get enough of her. I just, I just want to, I just, with Heather and Tamara back, I hope they turn on each other. <laughs> One of them gets Shannon in custody. I don't know who. I don't know if it's full <laughs> or otherwise partial. Couldn't tell you. Hoping for the best. But with the other housewives, I feel like so often it's a little bit of a trust fall exercise of like, Know that this isn't really me or know that this is the me that I am performing for you with something real as a part of that to keep me grounded here. Like I have. Right. Right. These are real people in actual scenarios that have been heavily influenced by a production. And. In and of itself, the production is essentially the experience that like you might modify yourself in some way to fit within this experience and this bubble. But there is for so many of us oftentimes either 
a seeming wink or us applying a wink to that person and saying like, well, but they wouldn't behave in that like that in real life or like these experiences, they feel like because of their friendship with so-and-so and whomever on the cast, they might respond or not respond in a certain way. I just feel like with Beverly Hills right now, there's too much of a reliance on us understanding the wink that isn't being met with actual behavior on the show. And that's what makes it so difficult is like at a certain point, this is the show. Like understanding edits, understanding everyone else, understanding everyone is flawed and understanding the ways that these women might make light of it by tripling down on social. How much of a wink a, a wink can't maintain 22 episodes. It just can't. No. And, but this is like what they'll unpack at the reunion, hopefully, is like, I, I'm not going to judge anyone's grief journey or their experiences with it, but I think Lisa does have to explain why she was able to seemingly settle things to Sutton's face and then continually bring them back up. Like, that is not. It is so bizarre to me because it's like my understanding of I can't believe this is all truly over tickets to an Elton John Oscar <laughs> party. Like that's what also is like go back to that. From everything we've seen, it seems that they were both right and they were operating with different sets of mm-hmm. facts. And that Sutton had purchased the tickets, but Lisa was told she had not. And like at the end of the day, it seems like Sutton did pay for the seats that Harry and Lisa sat in. But that was never properly communicated and just like the the need to be right over the need to move on is so interesting like why is it so important for you to be right in this situation and not just kind and also related to that why are you so confident in understanding Sutton's character in a way that is entirely negative in your assumptions Diana's doing it Erica's doing it and Rinna's doing it and maybe Dorit to a different extent, and Kyle too, in terms of like, you're doing this on purpose for, you're a bad actor in all of the ways. See, I feel like we're not getting enough Dorit. Agree. Because I feel like we've gotten, we've gotten little hints that she feel she might feel a certain type of way, but I feel like it might be an edit being like, well, we have to keep this group together. Like this is a group that group thinks, so we have to make it, we have to, it would be too complicated for the audience if they weren't all moving, you know, in step. But I do feel like like her dinner with Garcelle, which has then been twisted to be like, with Erica being like, Dorit didn't buy into what you were saying. It's like, no, Dorit asked questions and had interest in what had, what had unfolded when she wasn't there. And I don't know. There's a, I feel like this season is missing nuance. It's very much like we're getting bullet points. Like we're reading the Cliff's Notes instead of getting the full novel sometimes. Yeah. And we're also seemingly every episode skipping to the end, like in the worst possible way of like, here's the third act and it's terrible and you're going to feel bad watching it. And P.S. Just wait until next week. And guess what? The punching bag is once again, Sunset. Yeah. I mean, even... Looking at the trailer for next week where Erica's like, I don't give a fuck about anyone but myself. But shout out to Kyle for saying, Erica, do not say that because as your friend, I cannot defend that. Like that is to me a shift. Or has the line been pushed so far 
that so many other examples of someone seemingly needing to speak out, they've completely ignored. But this is so egregious that Kyle is finally using her voice. But I think that's the same thing. In my head, that's the same thing. I feel like she should have said that this episode six different times if she didn't agree. I also wonder how exhausted they all were when they were doing that Ouija board. Like, they have been up all day, (laughs) and I don't know what time of day it was. But it is, I will say, like, with the Erica stuff, like, I understand the value of bringing it up and having that Mm -hmm. conversation. The thing that the audience, and I think some of the women need to realize, is, like, she can't just walk into a superior court and drop those earrings off and and be like, here, take it and give it to the victims. Because what happens is, if she's found legally responsible for any of these things that are being accused, um... If she were to give that money now, it would not count toward whatever the debt that she is then, you know, found guilty of or whatever to pay. Um, So that's why that is that's the nuance there. Like the reason she would hold on to the earrings is if for some reason in one of these cases that she is found responsible for the missing money. Then those earrings would be contributed to those funds. But until then, anything she does that up till then will not count toward the you know potential debts, um, which I know is icky and complicated, and it's like just be a good person and do it. But it's still a person who has to like make a living and <laughs> like has to have money somewhere to survive, um, and so that's why she would hold on to the earrings. And people have the right to ask questions about it. Like she doesn't want anyone. Yes to ask anything while filing in court documents saying this was a gift. It doesn't matter where the money came from if it was stolen. My husband gave it to me as a marital yada yada and this is a gift. And if it's related to her knowing that she needs to have some assets available regardless in her mind or in her lawyer's strategy of where they came from, she's going to need to have something to potentially likely settle. I mean, we're still going to if you're not going to say anything about the victims, you're not going to say that Tom's a piece of shit. We're going to talk about those earrings until forever. Yeah. I mean, she did. If she were to just repeat what she that actually said at last year's reunion, which was like, if I am responsible for this, I will pay it. Like that could be the conversation. It's just, it's always so defensive. Cause I think she just does, which I think is partially, she doesn't want it to be the story on the show. But the issue is when you have a big reaction, it's going to be the story on the show. Like, think about if Crystal brought up the earrings and Erica was like, I'm, I'm dealing with it and that's all I'm going to say. And then it was like, okay, move on. It wouldn't be this big scene that gets teased in all the trailers and as the sneak peek for next week. But the fact that she has this big explosive reaction, I don't know. It, there's a, as always, these shows are such like a exploration of the human mm-hmm. mind and the, the human experience in a psychology <laughs> class to unpack. I mean, just imagine, though, if she used some of that anger against cast members asking incredibly important questions. And she said at any point, as Crystal asked her, where's your anger against Tom? Which Erica internalized and responded with anger at Crystal herself. Like, just imagine if at any point there was any conversation with even Rinna and Kyle, if Erica wasn't interested or available in which to have it, or Dorit and Kyle. I don't remember a single conversation this season and really sort of last one of, wow, this is a terrible thing that he did. Erica uses what ifs 
in discussing what Tom did. That's not great to me. But then I see it from a she is protecting herself on legal grounds by not because if she says anything that could be interpreted as if she stated it as fact, it will be used in the the court cases. So that is why she is always phrasing things in a hypothetical because that is what she has been advised to do. Whether she believes him to have done these things or not, she's protecting herself in the end, which I can't I cannot blame her for. Who is not going to look out for themselves? She, uh, absolutely. She has also though said that she had said these things. She's also like, but it's been said, like, of course I feel this way. But it's like, if you don't communicate that to us, but you communicate all of this other stuff, I don't know. But that's once again, like, look, trying to say you've said it, and then they go to look for what you said, and then they can't find it. It's, I think that all plays into still protecting herself. All that said, I think she, sh- yeah, she should have said Flatly, like, thank you for supporting me through this experience. It's a very harrowing experience. I stand with the victims of these crimes. Whoever committed them needs to be brought to justice. Like, that's all she needs to say, and then it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I also, what a unique experience that no one, few people have gone through of, like, your life has been upended. Everything you thought was the truth was a lie. And now you're having to explore all this in real time while the world is watching. You know, it's like it's it's easy to have a boilerplate explanation when all the facts are starting to be laid out. It's hard to have that at the jump, which is, I think, what the audience really wanted from her. And I don't know. Has this been a perfect journey? Absolutely not. Yeah. And has she ever maybe this will happen in the future if she's still on the show? My guess is like probably not just seeing what we've seen of her so far but like maybe one day in the future when she talks speaks longingly and with a certain amount of um power and authority about her private jet flights to aspen we can have a conversation about why that no longer exists because like the victim's money ran out you know like that would be great that That moment was interesting because she seemed that was one of those confessional moments that was like she didn't realize they were gonna or she knows they're gonna use it but she didn't want them to use it because it was very much like flipping and she was moving mm. around. Like it wasn't a, I'm in an interview and I'm giving you sound bites now. It was like a producer jabbed, 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 jabbed until she said the thing that they wanted her to say. She said it in a very flippant way, which is like what she does when she's mm-hmm. pushed to a point that she does to into a corner. And those, those are the things that I'm talking about when it's like you have to pull back and view these through the lens of, there are people behind those right. cameras pushing this along and getting these women to a place that they know they need them to be in order for the show to work. And this is one of those conversations that I think is really important because I think so much of the audience reaction, including mine at times, has been so guttural, which is in many ways what the network wants. It's what production wants. It's it's to have people have feelings. Maybe they've gone a little over negative right now, but like it is supposed to have a response. And there is also nuance here. And maybe that's something that people don't want to hear, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily any less true. Right. Like, at the end of the day, I don't think any of these people are, like, bad people. I think they are flawed. And 
I, I just wonder, you don't know if people were driven to do certain things, of the, whether it's of their own self, mm-hmm. you know, what they think the show should be and doing that, or if other people got in their head and their... So, I don't know, it's... I don't even know what point I was trying to make there, but it's... These shows are way more complicated than sometimes the way the audience evaluates And them. the ways that the cast reacts to that evaluation. Yes. You might not be all good or bad, but at a certain point, I think the converse... The, the scales tip one way or the other. Yeah, and also, are you good or bad anymore for the show? Like, at what point does the show overwhelmingly create a narrative of bad? That's what's going to be interesting about Beverly Hills is they have this huge ensemble right now with a lot of good... You know, you look at individuals in the boxes they check, it's like, these are a lot of really great housewives. 100%. The ratings are some of the best they've ever been. Gangbusters. It's the number one housewife show currently. Crazy. They're probably not going to change up this cast. Okay, that's what I wanted to fucking know from you. That's what I wanted to know. So one, they're not, they're, they don't. Chief, they would never, correspondent. They would never fire someone before a reunion. The never, earliest someone has been fired was. was Dorinda, which was right after filming a reunion. <laughs> Put on pause. <laughs> like in the car on the way back Dorinda's like oh Andy's calling (laughs) did a good job and then she I don't think she was meant to post her exit announcement when she did it was like (laughs) before I think even the reunion trailer had come out Carol announced her departure before her final reunion did she not it was after it had been shot but before it aired oh maybe so maybe New York is working on a different (laughs) timeline than everyone else they're they're never gonna fire someone before a reunion right they do a lot of audience testing. And this is how people like, when people are like, how is Emily Simpson still on the show? Emily I love tests Emily. really well. I love Emily. Not apologetic. Because think about, she is like the every woman. Uh-huh. She is a woman that a lot of viewers can relate to. And yeah. this is, these are the parts that people don't. And I also think the last two seasons, she has stepped up her game so much and like fully understands the show. And I think she even gave an interview saying as much like mm-hmm. I didn't get it at first now what I, I thought it. it was is not what it was and now I get it no I don't know how to play the game mm-hmm. and she's like she, I think she's pretty good at the game mm-hmm. um so they do a lot of testing which is how some of these people that people are like why are they still on the show wind up still on the show because the audience that's maybe not on social media and right. is not the super vocal crowd online I loves know. them or is I interested know. in them it's so skewed social is so skewed and they do really evaluate what these women say at the reunion and how they own up to their behavior, defend their behavior, apologize for their behavior. And they look and then they you know, it's looking at the individual and then looking at the group makeup and then looking at what story is there. You know, Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City are going to follow like Jen Shaw and Erica Jane are on these shows until these legal issues are fully resolved. Mm-hmm. Like, I would imagine Jen is probably going to be filming some stuff in the ne- up until, you know, November when her sentencing happens, and then November to whenever her sentencing starts. That will then be incorporated into maybe the end of season two, or season three, and then even the beginning of season four. Like, because they're... I think Bravo has realized... The fans don't, while the fans might feel a certain type of way about these women, 
they don't like the blue balls experience of the story never like not finishing. Like we've had housewives mm-hmm. leave where a lot of questions remain that never get answered. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let that happen. So I think this ensemble comes back. Whether the only question mark for me would be Diana, right? Because she doesn't seem to have enjoyed the experience of being on the show from what we've seen on social media and the fact that she's done no interviews. But she seems to have bonded incredibly with Rinna and Erica. So I don't know. Well, it's always nice to meet friends at work. No? <laughs> you need someone to grab lunch with. Um, but I, it would be, it'll be interesting to see if they maintain, what do we have, eight housewives currently? A million. If the full-time lineup is still eight, or if they pare that down and some of these women move in, you know, they get the Countess Luann, Vicky mm. Gunvalson package of, <laughs> you're still meant to be on the show. Right. We just don't need personal story from you. Um, I also, like, a question I have for the reunion is, why don't Kathy and Cherie have confessionals? Like, they don't have interviews this season. Oh I asked God. Cherie, like, have you filmed any? And she said no. Um... But I think that also might just be, there are eight full-time women. Right. There's not room to then add the supporting players to the Greek chorus mm. of the confessionals of the show. Who do you think is the most misunderstood in the cast right now? Of and you can take cast? that in any way, where it's like, oh. we fought over them and maybe we shouldn't, or they're just being written off by people or by the rest of their cast in a way that's um, antithetical. I think Sutton is misunderstood within the group. Mm-hmm. And I think Erica is misunderstood by the audience. Oh my God, so interesting. And do you think that they're really... It, who do you think is responsible for writing that misunderstanding or um, being open to a different aspect of this person, ultimately? I think there's no way to correct it with the audience. The audience is going to feel how they feel, and there's no, like, HR or boss to step in and, and mm. like, tell them to stop acting a certain way. I think on the show, it's, like, the showrunners and the network execs and all that having a conversation with the cast when... Sorry, that my dog just shook himself. Um, if that, <laughs> if you heard a little fan. jingle jingle rattling, <laughs> it was a dog tag. I think it, there is probably some onus on the powers that be, whether that be the production company, the network, some combination, to course correct some of this stuff that is like, because oh, some of it goes beyond just, I don't like this person. Some of it does feel, you know. They're evil. Right. There's been like Underhanded. And, right. Yeah. So, but I don't have any insight into the workings of that stuff. I know the women have different, you know, relationships with the different producers and i think that's the other thing like some of these people that the audience hates season after season also part of the reason on their show is production likes them means Mm -hmm. they're coming to work doing their job getting what they need out of the scenes not wasting people's time um so once again the theme of this episode i think is nuance And when it comes to nuance, it, it feels a little bit like Rinna has had a visceral reaction to the idea of nuance on social, including in some ways holding her accountable for the behavior that we've seen evidenced in episodes. Do you think that she is able to, at this point, have a nuanced conversation without doing what she did on Watch What Happens, which was like, I'm just a mess, and kind of leaving it there? I don't know. I think she likes a big paintbrush you know right. cover this up move this over 
So I don't know. I will say the behavior this season is no different than how she's acted on social media in the past. I just think there's more eyes on it because the social media has become part of the story. But she has always been a poster and a deleter. I've had so many times where I put a comment on it. She replies, we have a little conversation. Then I go to check on it and the post is gone. <laughs> like she's, her behavior on social media has always been this way. I think it's just more eyes are on it this season. I also think the stakes are a lot different. The conversation that people are having, the behaviors that we're seeing evidence on social media, she's still painting broad strokes with a big brush, but the painting itself might require something different. She may not have the tools. And yeah, that we need a mean, watercolor kit. Brought we out. need a watercolor kit brought up. We need a paint by numbers. She may or she might be using paint by numbers in that I have painted a picture that you guys have loved before. I'm going to do it again. But that doesn't work for every circumstance. And what right. a lot of people are reacting to now, which she is furious about, is the idea that her behavior, which has benefited her in the eyes of the audience, respect the villain, love a sassy queen, like the ways that that has shifted is still ultimately because of her behavior. It just might not be appropriate at this time. And I think she there's a lot of anger seemingly about that kind of critique. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I also think it's like, I think these women develop their own playbooks over time. And then, but at a certain point, once you've seen a play so many times, we've got to come up with some, uh, with a new game. Like we've got to change the rules a little bit. Um, and it is, I mean, people obviously point to the kind of Lisa Vanderpump, Denise Richards, Sutton Strack, these finding one person to pin everything on and going in on them until they break is kind of no longer working. And what happens if that's the only, you know, if you got a team sport, go sports or whatever, I don't know, what the fuck. But like, if you've only got one play... What happens if you're not able to mix it up? It, it it doesn't take away from the rings that you got, regardless of how they were paid for, <laughs> for like seasons past. Like it doesn't, it just might no longer be working. And the audience in that way is owning it. Right. But then it's, then the conversation is, is it on the women to change that? Or is it on the producers who are helping to shape this to change that and step in and say, stop doing this? Well, this is where it's so unfortunate and genuinely unfair. And guys, this is a nuanced conversation. Some of you might be like losing your fucking mind, but welcome to Andy's <laughs> Girls. Is like so often the cast members are themselves caricatures represented on the show and online, but they're also representative of production, the nameless faces who are often driving the story. And if there is something that we don't like seeing, we have no idea how it was produced in the scene, in the moment, in the confessional, but ultimately the person that we're seeing on TV is going to be blamed for it. And while they might bear some responsibility, it is ultimately what you sign up for in like the most unfair way. But I also think that explains some of the Rina behavior is like the acting out and lashing out is because she knows she is not the only person involved here, but she's taking all the heat for what we're seeing. Ugh. I mean. This season is entertaining, but like I said in my tagline, a little exhausting. Like it's, it took so long to get to Aspen, which we had heard about, you know, months before. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, the, there's so much toxic energy always when they're all together in a room. And that 
is not always fun to watch. I think this season has been in many ways like super painful. Like it's just it feels I can feel the toxicity both because of what's going on online between essentially everyone and what we're seeing play out. It feels so deeply unenjoyable, but it's Beverly Hills. So I'm like, can I really sit in that? Because I I I do as a rule love Beverly Hills. It just it feels it's so painful. It's painful. We will just have to bite down and get through the rest of the season, which there can't be that much more to go. Oh my god. 80, 90 more episodes. Probably, probably like six or seven more episodes. Fuck me. <laughs> when it comes to the rumors about Aspen, is there anything that you can tell us? Because it feels like there are a lot of question marks not only around rumors of what happens, but also rumors about what will actually be shown. Yeah, so I've been a- not been able to confirm anything <laughs> that's been out there. Oh my God. And it's my understanding that most of what's been out there happened off camera. <laughs> So that leaves a lot of room. Oh my god! For interpretation and <laughs> oh no, that's what we want from these women. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just I don't think Bravo would keep a cast member on and have them heavily promote the show if they had done something so bad that was like this cancelable while filming as cancelable as has been suspected. And I'm talking about Kathy here. But what Rinna has said was, if it's not shown, it still means it happens. There's just a massive conspiracy behind it. But I don't, I don't buy into that line of thinking. It does. I'm not. I am a conspiracy theorist, but around like stupid things, like when I don't get something at a sample sale or whatever, like I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to, it's tough because like we're getting into now this stuff and we may or may not see it on camera. But if one of the cast members is vocally saying production is working to protect its cast and the evidence of that is that they weren't around to film it. That is a weird... That we're now in, like, X-Files territory. Right. And then it's like... But those aliens were real, I think. <laughs> I just... I won't be able to judge it until we see whatever is presented, presented to us as the audience. But I just think, you know, Bravo would have cut ties with Kathy had what she supposedly did been so bad. And she has brushed it off, and seemed like the worst things she said were about Kyle and not these other things that have floated mm. around. And so and we're going to get that whole, like, Rinna inserting herself and trying to help mediate slash Hello. persecute. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, <laughs> so I, there's still so much to see that we can't pass judgment on it. And I, I would also say, what is the intention of the people who are trying to get ahead of it and make the audience feel a certain type of way about something before they've even gotten to see it? Ask yourself that question. What would the cast members who are posting about this or saying things about this be getting out of it by putting this out into the world before the world gets to see it? 
to me, it's better to speak out after the fact and say, this wasn't shown, this wasn't shown, and this wasn't shown, or you guys didn't see this, this, and this, than to say it's bad and blah, you know. There's hype and then there's lighting a trash can on fire. I don't know. <laughs> How do you think Andy is going to address this? Because Rena has said so much about it, intimating that production is like... I think I hope they hit it head on and just yeah grill as much as possible. I don't think this will be an easy reunion. Like, I do not think this is going to be a light and fun, in and out, you know, sort of day. This is probably going to be an 18-hour shoot day mm. with a lot of, okay, we're going to spend two hours on Rinna and just drill, drill, drill. Okay, we're going to talk to Sutton and drill, 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 you know. And I think they film it in the next week or so. <laughs> right. I think that they literally film it next week, like end of next week, which is wild when you think of how many really serious questions are still out there about things that have happened. So hopefully that gets answered at an appropriate time, whether we find out about it or not. By this point in a season, they're usually pretty good about knowing where the conversation is going to go and what the questions the audience is going to have are going to be about the things the audience has yet to see. Mm -hmm. So I trust that they'll answer as much as they can. And then if they don't get to certain things, then hopefully they'll bring those individuals on to watch what happens live to do kind of follow-ups as the reunions air. So you really think that Rena's going to be back? I think if she's gone, it will be her choice. Like if she, I feel like she would have reached a breaking point. And I don't think that breaking point exists. So she has said all she ever wanted in life was to be famous. And Housewives has made her more famous than she ever thought was wildly imaginable. So when you look at it through the lens of that was her ultimate dream, I would say be careful what you wish for, but I think she has quite literally, and I mean this in a positive way, gotten her wish. Like yeah. this is the, there's no such thing as bad press. So it'll be very interesting to see. I hope Sutton kind of comes, thinks about what she wants to say at reunion before reunion so we don't get into a, you know, I went over here, I went over here, I'm a, I'm a cult, cult. You know, I hope we avoid conversation like that and actually have meaningful moments and hopefully resolution growth and path forwards so that we don't repeat this record next season like at this point three years in Sutton's here the audience really responds to Sutton give her her seat at the table stop trying to pull the seat out from under her do you think it's possible for the Fox Force to disband if it's in their best interest that's the only question I have of well, will the ensemble shake up is will the network want to pull one of them out to see what happens. I find it very interesting that Kyle continues to be very cagey about whether she wants to do more, which makes me think she wants to see how the audience responds to whatever happens with Kathy. And the thing with the Kathy stuff that like... I don't have a sister. I have a brother, but I know like the sister dynamic is so specific. I think sisters talk shit a lot. Like, I feel like that's not, to me, that's not a big thing. If like you're saying something terrible about your sister, like a, I just think that's, I'm not understanding what the big deal is. They're on housewives. Certainly that combination at a certain point is going to combust. They've been through it so many times before. It's so wild. The focus leading up to like what bad thing did Kathy say about Kyle it's like okay but 
has Kathy seen every other season? Because Kyle has said some shit too, you know? Kathy's never watched the show. Not even the episode she's in. I love that so much. Oh my God, that's such an icon. And she had a I screening. I went to her viewing. I went, screen- to her, I went you to her went. screening. And oh she was God. she was not down there watching. She was wait, she was up on the driveway where we all were waiting for Kim to arrive. I fucking love that. I fucking love that. We need that energy. We get the exact opposite of it. We need more of that. I think maybe I'm asking for too much of a good no, thing. No, I think it's like a healthy place to exist in like I film the show but I don't watch it because then like I think like on Dubai we're seeing what happens when people are big fans of the show and how they either don't go big enough in the like mm. Nina Ali sense of she ha- seemingly seemingly held back so much right um though in watching the reunion I was like maybe you're just so self-assured in who you are that you didn't feel the need to be big on TV yeah that's true um versus like Chanel Ayan just throwing every dart at the board <laughs> that she possibly can and like the reunion to me was a little bit of a love her think she's great tv but I was like you're not giving you're not listening to these women you're here to like repeat a something you think is gonna be she, like she kept saying on to Nina mashed potatoes look at the moon and it's like you said it once stop using it she said during the um, premiere screening that she'd never watched Housewives before. And then when she, until, until maybe starting the show or after. Or yeah, something, I think then, when this show started to enter her orbit and then she became like seemingly obsessed it. with it. And then she got stuck in the States after the reunion because her passport went missing. So that's when she was doing like her little BravoCon tour <laughs> of <laughs> New Jersey. Wedding. Oh my God. And um yeah, and she said on the during the Q and A, she said that Jen Shaw was her favorite housewife or one of her favorites, which I thought was such a fascinating Jen choice. Shaw and Kim Richards. <laughs> Those are some picks. But it's because it's because she likes Kim on the show, and Jen was like a person who gave her advice. Like Jen was the woman. I don't know how this works. I would be interested to learn this. Dave Quinn next book. Let's ask this question. Does Bravo connect the women with women in other cities or do they do it on their own? Because they always are like, because remember when Salt Lake City came out, they were like, they got advice from Bronwyn and Carrie Brittingham of all people. And then Dubai, they're getting advice from Jen Shaw, you know? And it's like, are these women reaching, sliding into the dance being like, hey, I've been cast on this version of the show. Can you reach out? Or is Bravo saying like, here's contact information for some women who might be able to help you navigate this situation? I don't think Bravo's going to ever recommend Carrie Brittingham and Bronwyn to be their like big sisters. I think it's women seeing an opportunity to network, some of whom want to be back on the shows. So it's like apologies to Carrie, but it's like a little low hanging fruit for Carrie to get in touch. But that was before the show was canceled and before Bronwyn had been fired. Or put on oh, pause. Well Dallas then, might I don't be coming know. back. Oh, Maybe I'm just thinking of like the women who want to be back. So like, why not make some friends? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's no like idea. while they're, it's like Dallas was in production. Salt Lake City was in production. Heather Gay connects with Carrie Birmingham. I still think it's a little LinkedIn. It's like, who's looking, <laughs> who wants to like continue working at their job? You got a network at the end of the day. I don't quite know what. And what did you think of part one overall of the reunion? Nothing happened. Mm. We, we had no conversations that led anywhere. I don't know. That show, I'm very interested to see what happens with the season two. 
Because one, I think it was like a mix of people who understood what they were doing and people who had no idea what they were doing. And then two will be going and they'll actually know each other season two. Like they, this, these women didn't know each other. Um, mm. But it is like we're at a point where the shows have been on so long. It's so there's such an awareness of what the shows are and what they're mm. meant to be that some things don't read real anymore Mm -hmm. and that's like the fact that lisa and chanel were just like yelling at people at the reunion and not letting people speak not giving space to speak i was like you gotta it's it's a it's an ensemble everybody's voice is equal everybody's got to have the same space i don't know it was it was chaotic and it led nowhere and i'm very interested to see now that Stanbury has pulled out this Lisa Milan's book of lies. What's inside there and what we will get to there. But also, there weren't really lingering questions from the season. You know, like the season wrapped up and I was like, they're kind of exactly where they were when we started. So I think maybe that was also a struggle at the reunion is like, there's not these big issues to resolve or these big things to unpack. That's such a good point. I think that's why I was like, I watched the reunion. So I, I can say that I watched it and that's great. But like, I don't, I think that that is exactly, you just put into words how I felt, which is like, I don't know why this is happening right now. What are we here to discuss? Like, obviously there's conflict, but like, do we really need to talk about it? I feel like we sort of, we sort sort of saw it play out. And it seems like the big takeaways are going to be these things that happen not on the show. Like it's, Mm. we got into Sergio's controversial tweets. But not we didn't really resolve that. It's like a party promoter took over his account and put these out in the world. Okay. Um, do I believe that? I don't know, but I'll accept your answer. And then it seems like we'll, Caroline will have to face the questioning of her association with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, oh, my God. Which is like... Light fodder. The world is big and small at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, like every all roads lead back to Bravo. But within the group, they're really... There's not a whole lot to discuss. Also, what happened to Stanberry's like voice, let alone interest, being on this show? The show, I was like, where are the group scenes? Where mm. they are so rarely all together, and I, I think that to me, I would rather watch a million in a first season, a million group scenes, and learn nothing about these women's personal lives mm-hmm. than see a ton about their personal lives and few group scenes. And I don't know if I'm the minority there, but. Well, and also too many trips. I want to see these group scenes going to dinner. I want to see these women going to dinner, having lunch, a going to somebody's like, house. Is it almost impossible to film this show in Dubai? Like, are these places not willing to let them film? Are there oh. not enough places to gather and, like, have experiences? That's interesting. Because it was a lot of, like, things that felt very set up. Like, we're in the middle of the desert. Yes! We're in this house in the middle of nowhere. That's such a good point. But I... Never judge a Housewife show by the first season. Judge it by the second season. Unless you love the first season, in which case well, yeah. can... <laughs> Salt Lake, VCC Salt Lake. If you're going to be explaining what the show right. is, you need two, at least two seasons. And then like OC, judge that starting at season three when Tamara mm. Judge joined and actually created Housewives. <laughs> I mean, and aren't we grateful to her for that? Let us Tamara! <laughs> Every time... Half the time when I see her, I'm always, like, holding myself back from doing that to her. I think you should. I think she would love Oh, I've it. done it to her before. Oh, okay. 
I just continue to always want to do that and realize I shouldn't do that every time I see her. Also, we are recording this on her birthday. Happy birthday to Tamara Judge and Lala Kent. Oh my God, happy birthday to Tamara and Lala. And what a happy day to get to record Andy's Girls with you. You know I'm obsessed with you. I love when you come on. I love when you come on and you like add in a certain something when it comes to nuance. And I think that's difficult. I think it's a difficult conversation because we deal with difficult topics, but I think it's it's helpful. It's interesting. I don't take sides or teams on these shows. I view everyone as you were put on this earth for a reason. You were put on this show for a reason. Um, and so I have to evaluate you through, okay, why were you put on this show? What are you contributing? And I, I just genuinely like all the women, even if they're controversial. Like, even Diana has had moments where I'm like, I understand why you're on the show. She's so beautiful. Just get that lick lipping under control. I mean, this is Lip the other licking. thing. Lip licking. I flipped that. Everyone keeps referencing it. And this is like, and I get that I'm not in the majority on this, but it makes me feel a little bit like saying Dorito instead of Dorit. I never understood it. I was like, this is funny once, but then to keep referencing And she said it was a tick. So I'm like, I don't think. Oh, did she? I missed yeah, that. Yeah, she, she it was said it was a nervous tick, like the lip stuff. I forget where because she hasn't done any press, but like she said somewhere online that it was like a <laughs> nervous so i'm like are we really come on talk about her character we don't need to talk about like a nervous like thing. i was when she was telling garcelle about her ghostbusters that come in i was like mm. film this <laughs> send a camera and film it and like we got that little yeah of the hawaii stuff of the hawaii stuff and i was like we should have had cameras on yeah. the ground yeah in aspen yeah Filming and like, yeah, I don't know, bring in some Ghostbusters equipment, some, you know, like, I want to see it all. I honestly would have loved to see that because like add on the quirk, like quirk is a good thing. I love a quirky housewife. She seems very quirky and they're not, they did not lean into that in the no, end. No, they leaned into, um, what's the bad guy on Star Wars with the, with the thing? Darth, Darth Vader? Vader. They're like giving Darth Vader. They could be doing like the beep boop guy. Like it's like, you know, I'm great at sci-fi, obviously <laughs> great at sci-fi, sports and tech. Um, but yeah, I mean, a little bit of that, I think, would have gone a long way. And maybe a couple less letters, possibly. So yeah. That, let's, let's use our voice and not our thumbs or our lawyers. Yeah. I think that's something to think about. Listen, where can AGs go to follow you, support your ongoing work? Are there any <laughs> interviews we can look forward to hearing and seeing as the weeks go on? So at Bryce Sander in all places, um, I talked to one of the people from Real Girlfriends of Paris, which comes out oh. on Monday, a double episode premiere. It reminds me a lot of like Princesses Long Island, Gallery Girls era of Bravo. Oh. So I think longtime Bravo viewers will be into it. I don't. It's like a it's like Real Housewives Junior kind of the vibes, but very, very light in the dramatics in the first two episodes. But there's wow. teases that promise liquids are thrown. Mm. Um, so I have a chat with the, with Victoria who throws the liquid in the preview, um, (laughs) coming out. My selling the OC interviews are up with the, all three Alexandras. 
Paul, Jarvis, and Rose. Um, and it's the holy kind of trinity like a, of Alex. It's kind of a point counterpoint situation because Paul said things and Jarvis and Rose responded to them. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there will the interviews will continue to come and then see you at BravoCon. Oh my God, to BravoCon we go. Guys, speaking of all things thoughts and feels, the Andy Scrolls Patreon has two new episodes up, two hours of content, including your Satchels of Gold, that's listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, named in honor of Her Holiness, Kelly Clorn Ben Simone. Both of those um, uh, episodes include... 20 or 25 satchels so it's quite a lot to take in talking all things Beverly Hills and we didn't even talk about the Salt Lake City trailer you can get my live reaction to it on the Patreon I watched it twice live <laughs> screamed over Heather's eye can I just get a quick a quick little react I'm so ready for it and I yep. loved that the trailer gave very little away yes. We yes. know there will be drama. We know yes. there will be laughs. We know there yes. will be a black eye. But we don't know the why behind any of it. Bravo, if you're listening. Give us less. We love it. We love And only less. five wives and three friends. I'm into that format. Yes. I'm here for it. I thought it looked spectacular. And you know what? I'm ready for it. Winter is coming. And I cannot wait. Uh, Instagram, guys, at Dame Galley for nothing but sass. Bryce Sander, thanks so much for coming back on AG. I always, I love to talk to you. I really do. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Hope you're all doing okay. We will see you at BravoCon. And I will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.